You know, that is the first question every guy has asked me when they see on like my profile that I'm a therapist. They'll be like, are you psychoanalyzing me? And I'm like, no, I don't do that for free. Yes, you got it. How you doing, man? <laughs> Girl, I was on an all-day training. I'm loving Zoom. I think I might be going blind, but here we are. No, We're no, no. It's fine. Oh, no, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, I am super excited for our guest today. Megan is coming to us from Florida. Hi, Megan. Woo! Hi, Hi Megan. Hi, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Yay, yay, yay. Thanks for thank coming on. Yeah, of course. So I'm super excited for a couple reasons. Number one, Megan is someone who I feel like we're Instagram friends. I feel like I've known you or known of you for a oh, while yeah. now. I, know. I can't it's remember how we first connected. It's been a minute, I, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's been about a year when you, because I was, I was, um, I was following your page when you first started Swiped Out. So I was like, oh, this is going to be legit. Like, I was so excited for your podcast. Aww. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited because Megan is not only just an incredible person, I love your content, but mm-hmm. you are a therapist and we yes. always say how important mm-hmm. self-love, self-care therapy is. So we're mm-hmm. going to get all of that tea today from you um but tell us (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself and about your page the counseling bar llc on insta gotcha so yes my name is megan i am a therapist from florida i'm a registered marriage and family therapist intern i'll be a fully licensed therapist in august can't wait clinical hours are truly killing me um I started the counseling bar a couple of weeks ago because I really want to be able to help women in Florida um, to be able to have access to counseling services because counseling, I'm sure as you guys know, can be like $100, $150 an hour. Sometimes it can be a little less if you have insurance, but you're still paying quite a lot out of pocket. So I wanted to introduce a sliding scale for everyone so that more people could could have a, a safe space to go to and really process their traumas and whatever they'd like to address. And I really just wanted to make that change and just being an African-American woman and just knowing in the black community how mental health just really doesn't really have, you know, a platform. And And I know in the community, it's somewhat of a joke and I really wanna change that. So I started the counseling bar because it's all about taking a seat and allowing yourself to really pour, pour into yourself and feel better, self-love, self-care, mental health awareness. And that's why I started it. Yes. Oh, thank that's you for awesome. doing that work. Thank you. Of course. So you mentioned working with women. Mm-hmm. Is there any personal story as to what drew you to therapy or what made you want to pick this profession for yourself? Yeah, I actually had a really, really rough childhood and Um, I won't go into all the gore details, (laughs) but when I went to therapy for my first time when I was about 21, I had a female therapist and she literally changed my life and she was very pro-woman. I feel like when I was younger, I was like, whatever, I'm a girl, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, I I wasn't really like woke, I guess you could say. So she really inspired me to really appreciate being a woman and taking mental health seriously 
and how you can just become the best version of yourself when you're constantly open-minded and working on yourself. So she just inspired me and it's, it's been ongoing ever since. That's awesome. Are you still with the same therapist? Yes, I am. She's oh, that's so cool. Never letting her go. If she retires, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I plug my therapist, the team all the time on the pod. I feel like I, well, I guess we can't bring her on, but if we could, we would. <laughs> I guess that goes against some laws. Um, <laughs> but we have Megan here. So. We have yeah, Megan here. Yes, exactly. Yes. First yeah. therapist on the pod. Like, I know. Like, what, a, what a milestone. Long overdue. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I think what you mentioned earlier, Megan and Sav weigh in, is really true, um, not just in the Black community, but I think across the board, a lot of people have misconceptions about therapy, not either understanding what it is, or maybe if it's for them. So could you dive into that a little bit? Like, what are some misconceptions that you tend to hear a lot surrounding it? The main misconception that I hear is that you go to a therapist so they can give you advice and they can tell you how to live your life. That is the biggest misconception. Cause if you think about it, you can go and do that with your friends, like going to see a therapist, there's a real treatment plan, there's progress, there's, you know, six months here, six months there. It's about kind of being, I always use this analogy with my patients is imagine if we were in a very dark hole and the only way to get out was to use a shovel. I, my responsibility as a therapist is to use the flashlight to kind of guide the way for you, light the way for you, but you have to do the digging because we're going to be stuck down there forever. If you don't move forward, I can't tell anyone how to live their lives, but I can help you identify unhealthy behaviors that, you know, you need to change so that you can move forward. So it's not a venting session. It's a therapy session. Mm-hmm. And do you find in your experience that people tend to have the answers themselves and you're there to kind of coax those answers out of them? Oh yeah. Cause I mean, even myself, I second guess myself all the time. Or if you've been in abusive relationships, you second guess yourself on literally everything. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just letting them uncover certain things, ripping off some of those band-aids <laughs> and really realizing like, Hey, this, this isn't done. You've got to do this and this and this. And these are the steps that you can take that I hope that you will take, <laughs> you know, so that you can move towards healing. Going off of that, you know, it is a journey as we know. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone is constantly working on themselves. I feel like we never fully get that completed person. Like we never get to maybe what we're striving for, but it's the journey along the way. But what advice might you have for people um, who are really trying to become more self-aware in their dating life and maybe just all aspects of their life? I would say it's really take it a day at a time. I think that we tend to have these unrealistic expectations because of social media, society, or we see friends or family that have moved on to the next season in their lives and we're kind of feeling like we're stuck behind. But I really just think it's very important to kind of just sit back and say, what do I have control of today? What can I change today? And start there because if you just go off and think of all the things you need to do in the next five years that just creates anxiety and anxiety is a domino effect for other mental health issues. So one day at a time is how you can start really becoming more self-aware and being open-minded to someone coming to you and giving you constructive criticism and taking it as constructive criticism and not just like, oh, this person is out to get me. You know, that's a lot of ego work you have to do. So one step at a time and be willing to stay open-minded what has it been like over the past year switching to a virtual setting 
and helping clients through the past year, which has been just a oh, garden for the fan of her. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> I honestly, if I could be transparent, I, I feel like I got burned out a lot last year because everyone was struggling. I was struggling mm-hmm. and then switching from seeing people face to face to virtual and some people just didn't really feel that connection they had with you anymore and you're not feeling the connection. So it was so hard to just kind of be like, okay, I've got my self-care days and I still got to take care of my patients and make sure they have what they need. But I mean, COVID really threw us for a loop. I was not ready for that. And I'm not going to pretend that I was like, oh, I'm a therapist. I've got it all together. I did not. (laughs) I did not. Um, definitely had to cancel some sessions, had to cut down my caseload because it's like you can't be a good therapist if yeah. you're burned out or you're just overextending yourself. So that was hard to have to take a step back and leave some people behind because I couldn't handle all of it. And it would have been unethical to just keep going when I knew that my caseload was unbearable now that it's all virtual. So it, yeah. it was difficult. It was a hard transition. No. Thank you. Thank you for opening up and sharing that because oh, I yeah. think that's important to keep in mind too that, I mean, therapists, you you also have your own lives and struggles. And your own and therapist. Your own therapist. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I think that's exactly. huge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Therapists are people too. And they also, you know, need someone to talk to and to work through things with. So I think that's, I didn't understand that until I started working with a therapist. She's like, of course I have a therapist. Like I couldn't do this job if I didn't Mm -hmm. have one. I just never thought about it. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I I would not be, I don't even think I'd be a great therapist without my therapist. She keeps me grounded Mm -hmm. and self-care is the main thing that we focus on because I have to take care of myself before I can start trying to help other people. One thing I do want to touch on um, that hopefully can shed some light on is it's a little bit like matchmaking, I think, finding the right therapist for the right patient. So if you have any advice for people who might be considering it, you know, it might be their first time, what should they be looking for uh, to see Mm. if it's fit? Mm. Yeah, I think I tell all my patients, you know, when you are looking for a therapist, don't be afraid to turn it into an interview, like a job interview. You're the boss and the therapist is the potential employee. Ask them questions about you know, their backgrounds, like their specialties, like, you know, if you're dealing with depression, well, how long has that therapist, you know, studied depression? How many patients do they have that have, you know, major depressive disorder, any type of those diagnoses, like interview your therapist, you have every right to do this. Because the thing is, you have to build, you have to be able to build rapport with your therapist and feel comfortable. So if you just choose someone just because they take your insurance or because they're affordable, you may not get the most effective therapy because some people just want to take your money and they don't Mm -hmm. care about your well-being. So when you interview therapists, you can kind of weed out the ones that are like, eh, I don't think you really know what you're talking about, or, you know, you don't make me very comfortable. You're, you're a good choice. So definitely interview your therapist and interview multiple before you make a decision. That's a really good point. Oh yeah. Another thing I want to throw out there, I guess for me going into it, I thought, you know, we're going to get into, this is your inner child wound and this is why you are the way you are on day Mm -hmm. one. And that has Mm -hmm. definitely not been the case. I think it's a journey. So I started doing therapy back in April. So early into the pandemic when I was like, wow, I need some help. I need to talk to somebody about all these different changes happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're just now kind of taking it to a deeper level months and months, and months later. So I just want to put that out there, at least from my own learning, I thought it was one way just from how I saw it portrayed on TV or in mm-hmm. pop culture. 
And instead it's like any relationship, you have to build that trust and like take it day by day, one, Absolutely. one session at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've even had patients that took six months to open up to me and it's because they had like just severe trauma and I just had to be patient and just meet them halfway. I couldn't just be like, Oh my God, hurry up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <I want> you. <laughs> so it's, it takes a lot of patience as well as a therapist because some people really have to move very slowly because they're extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you probably hear a lot in your work, um, dating stories and, the good relationships, the bad relationships, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially it all. <laughs> ghosting, which oh! I know you have stories about. <laughs> it's my favorite. I love being ghosted. <laughs> <laughs> so you have quite, quite an interesting story. Um, I'll let you tell it. And Savannah hasn't heard it. So your long-term relationship that you were in and everything that happened and, you know, how you've grown from it since. Oh yeah. I was in a seven year relationship and it was, it's a super long story. So just to make it short, um, it ended with him getting somebody pregnant and he completely ghosted me. Like it was a text saying, Hey, I have to go. I got someone pregnant. I think you're really nice. Goodbye. And I never oh. heard from him again. Oh, seven years. Yeah. Seven years. Yeah. Nothing. Oh. That was the worst. Like I was physically sick trying to get over that. I was like, this is not happening. I pictured my entire life with this guy, thought we were going to get married, thought we were going to have children. And then it's crazy. A few months later, I found out that the pregnancy wasn't even real. So I was vomiting for months for no reason. And he made this girl, his girlfriend. And it was just a complete mess. (laughs) And I tried dating apps, uh, maybe a year after that, And I have been ghosted by pretty much every guy that I have gone on a date with. And I've been ghosted by somebody that's even told me the last text I got from them was, I can't wait to see you. Ghosted me. (laughs) This is why we all have trust issues. Oh my God. But wait, I'm so sorry. I need to rewind. I need to clarify. I don't know if I knew this. process. Yeah, Mm -hmm. process that. So he made up the pregnancy? Or she made up the pregnancy? She apparently made up the pregnancy. And what I think is, is that I feel like he wanted to be with her. So whether the pregnancy was real or not, he didn't really care because he still ended up being with her. I'm sure he was upset that he thought that he was having a kid on the way and then he found out that it was fake. But at the same time, like, how can you get in a relationship with someone who lies about something like that? I think that's right. so weird. And that per- that's a huge red flag, but he didn't see it that way. So he just moved forward, completely forgot about me. And that's the end of that story. <laughs> how, how have you run into him since then? Sorry, you don't have to answer if any of this is too personal, but I'm just trying to imagine how your lives are intertwined for seven years. And then mm-hmm. somehow you don't like have strings that have to be disconnected like how someone truly just like cuts all ties with a text and isn't Mm -hmm. like oh I need to come get my stuff or like oh like you know our our mutual friends are having their anniversary party or wedding or whatever you know it's just like Mm -hmm. it takes a specific kind of person to (laughs) to throw seven years away and have there be no lingering Right. Yeah. (laughs) He actually um, randomly texted me a couple of months after this happened. And all he said was, I will tell you how I really feel about you when I'm married and have children. 
What? And, and I, still to this day, three years, almost three years later, I have no idea what that means. Did you respond or are you just like, bye? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, cause I literally had, I, I didn't know how to answer or reply like to that text and it was out of nowhere. And he also told me that he wished we never happened and that we should have just stayed friends. And it was, a, it was a lot. Oh my it was gosh. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, the good news is you uh, have a license on the way where you can dissect that behavior and be like, right? that is his oh, stuff. Yeah. He is projecting. I reject mm-hmm. it. Self-love only. That's oh, yeah. He's, he's the epitome of a narcissist for sure. I mean, uh, he literally told me he didn't think that he did anything to me. It was a very long text about how everything was my fault. And I was like, in my brain, I was like, okay that's fine. I'm going to move on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, that was wild. I like never want to feel that kind of pain ever again. Cause I just, I was so blindsided by that. It was just a wild time. And I think that's when my self-love and self-awareness went into overdrive. Cause I was like, see this, I, ch- I chose to turn it into a lesson. I was like, if I continue to date guys like this, when there's like little red flags here and there, because there were definitely a lot of red flags throughout the Mm -hmm, seven years mm -hmm. on and off. Um, If I keep validating my worth through them, this is how I'm going to feel every single time. And I choose not to want to feel this way anymore. So I'm going to change it. You know, when somebody goes to me, I'm going to, I have to remind myself, it's not me. It's not me. This guy just doesn't have good communication skills and that's his problem, not mine. So taking that burden off my shoulders. Oh yes, girl. Taking that burden off my shoulders helped a lot. Well, I want to get into those red flags and that will tie in um, Tinder and and all the crazy stuff on the apps too that I know you have stories about, but Mm -hmm. I can relate to this idea of these red flags. I was recently in a situation where looking back in hindsight, you can see the red flags. You could say, okay, I think this is Mm -hmm. love bombing or this is gaslighting or manipulation. But these are a lot of terms that I think are thrown around on social media, on TikTok. We might see them, we might not fully understand them. So can you break those down for us in terms of a cycle of a narcissist? What would be some red flags and maybe some easy digestible signs to look out for? I think the number one sign is, um, narcissists tend to really show their true colors when you express something that they did that hurt you. And they say, well, I only did that because you made me upset or I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have done this. It's like, it's a constant deflecting. They cannot take responsibility or hold themselves accountable for anything. (laughs) And that's where you can fall into this trap of not trusting yourself anymore. Because then when that keeps on happening, you're just like, wait, I might be overacting or like, is, is this true? Like, did I make this up in my head? And then when you don't trust yourself anymore, you just become a doormat and it's so easy for them to, for you, for them to gaslight you. And it's an emotionally abusive relationship now. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a domino effect. So many red flags in that. And I really do believe that it starts when you first express your feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when you have to be like, okay, Someone who really cares about me would be like, oh, you know, I had no idea I made you feel that way compared to someone saying like, oh my God, you're so dramatic. Mm -hmm. Huge red flag. Why would someone who cares about you respond that way? Mm -hmm. They've got some serious deep rooted issues. (laughs) Absolutely. I think a couple things I'm thinking about 
looking back now, um, in one particular situation, we would have FaceTimes and mm-hmm. I would find myself going into my notes app following the FaceTimes. If I was talking about something deep, like my feelings or how he made me feel, or he, we made plans and he canceled on the plans with no explanation. And then he would say things. And in the moment I would feel good. Um, because again, I can't diagnose this person I'm thinking of, but I, I think there are signs there. Um, but mm-hmm. I would go into the notes app to literally prove to myself, no, this is what we talked about. This is what you said. This is what he said because he would twist my words like constantly repeatedly and then I would lose track of I think I feel this way but am I being dramatic you'd love to be like you just want a yes man you want someone who's just gonna do whatever you want or you know you're in your feels like it's not that deep like a lot of that so um and not and not just for me like in talking to friends too I know friends that have done that too where they're constantly like well I think this but he said this and is that right and like you said you you lose track of who you are or your sense of reality and that is such Mm -hmm. a slippery slope oh yeah it's a dangerous place to be when you've lost your sense of reality because literally no one can reach you you can have friends that are you know telling you like hey you you've got to leave this relationship because of abc and you're just like, what are you talking about? That's not happening. Like, you don't understand how he is or he's going through a lot. This is the only reason why he's treating me like this. And no, <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're being gaslighted. You're being emotionally abused. And it's sad that sometimes we don't really recognize that until the damage is like really, really deep. Mm-hmm. And we find ourselves just completely disrespecting ourselves to stay with this person. Can you give us some examples of gaslighting, like what that would sound like if you're mm-hmm. in a conversation with someone? Yeah, like a perfect example of gaslighting is uh, like, let's say your partner cheats on you and you confront them about it and you say, hey, I found some text messages of when you hooked up with this person and their response is, no, that's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. Like you can have the proof in front of them and show it to them and they can literally just deny it to where you will literally think that you're crazy. Like you're looking at text message with both of your eyes mm-hmm. and they're just like, that's not me or I didn't do that. Or if they twist it and say, well, um, you're, you're misreading that. She's just a friend. You're reading too deep into it. You're being very dramatic. Like just all those same words I just said before, like just trying to create this narrative that isn't real, that they want you to believe so that you no longer have those, you no longer feel comfortable confronting them about something that you know is true. Cause now you're just like, actually, I don't know it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's mental abuse. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Another thing I want to touch on going into that is love bombing and what that looks like at the start of a relationship. Oftentimes, Um, I'm sure you can attest to this, Megan. Narcissists come in very strong. They come in very hot. They are pursuing you. They are obsessed with you. You are the the shiny prize and all eyes are on you. Um, But then they switch it up and the energy shifts. And that's when I feel like people tend to second guess. I know in my situation, I definitely second guess because I was like, wait a second. This guy was literally Mm -hmm. saying he wanted to like marry me. And like, I was, you know, the one for him. And now he doesn't even want to take the time to come see me or I know he's talking to other girls and he's blatantly denying it exactly like you just said. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. what, what would be some signs maybe for, for listeners of someone who's coming on a little bit too strong in the beginning? Like, what would that look like? I think the number one thing that I've recognized about that is um, someone who lacks boundaries will literally tell you all of their business on the first date or the first couple of dates. And what I mean by that is, they feel comfortable telling you about all of their childhood trauma, 
all of their horrible relationships. And that's a huge, like, that's a huge sign of a narcissist. Cause it's just like, how, why would you feel comfortable telling a complete stranger all of your business? And I think that's their way of seeing, oh, if she's a people pleaser or if he's a people pleaser, I'm going to be able to manipulate this person because they're going to start to feel really sorry for me. And they're not, it's going to be really hard for them to believe that I am this person that really is just power hungry, someone who wants to embarrass you. They, that's how they, that's how they get you. They just, they try to test you with different things like that. And it's just like, no. People who are aware of how to set boundaries will wait until they really get to know you to really open up and tell you who they really are. Someone who wants to do that on the first date or the first couple of weeks you guys are together, I feel like they're just testing you out to see how much of a people pleaser, how much pity you can give them. And it's just a never ending cycle of like just beating for that person. I just had flashbacks to people <laughs> that have been in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. This is why I knew so much about them up front and why it clearly became toxic later. And I don't even just mean romantically, really more with friendship relationships. Oh, yeah. I've seen this manifest. Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 Okay. Yes. So is it, is it true to say that narcissists tend to be drawn to people pleasers? Oh yeah, because they're they they want to be they can only manipulate people who are very you know who wear their heart on their shoulders mm-hmm. or who really lack boundaries. Because if mm-hmm. you think about it, a narcissist can't pull a super confident person, very direct person that's just like um no you're you're full of you're mm-hmm. full of crap. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Compared to someone's like oh maybe he's really struggling with someone and people just don't understand him. I'm one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to I'm there with you. My God, I have been dragged around. I'm just realizing Mm -hmm. it. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, another, now we're just talking about all the terms. I'm really into this. So I'm excited (laughs) you're here. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of research. (laughs) One thing that I think narcissists tend to look for is energy supply or an energy source. So Mm -hmm. like you said, somebody who, who is empathetic, who is caring in nature and wants to um, help others and has their best interest in mind is a natural, big, shiny, you know, supply source for the narcissist. And that's why they mm-hmm. tend to attract. It's kind of like oil and vinegar where it might be a strong spark, but ultimately it won't work because the narcissist tends to take and take and take until there's nothing left. Right. And then they find the next baby mm-hmm. mama or <laughs> source yes. to go and pull from. Yep. And they're always the victim. The narcissist is always the victim. Yeah. They will walk away being like, I didn't even do anything to this girl. Like, why is she crying? I can't. Mm. <laughs> I just can't yeah. Yeah. I've been so good to you. I don't understand how you could come for me and like mm-hmm. you know, do me dirty like this. Like, okay. Yeah. Make me a list. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's a question though that um, I do think is interesting because narcissists tend to be very popular people. We see that um, in pop culture, our CEOs, our leaders, our politicians, there's a lot of narcissistic people that get to the top because they are charismatic. They are likable. Mm-hmm. They kind of know how to work the mm-hmm. room. What is the correlation there? Do you think between success and ego and narcissism? Honestly, I think people confuse narcissists with people who are very confident and bold. But if you really look at a narcissist, the only reason why they treat people like crap is because they don't like themselves. But if you don't really want to, if you're just looking at the characteristics of that person, or you love that, you know, 
super big, colorful personality, you're very blindsided. You're not going to be able to identify that they're a narcissist unless you build that close relationship with them and you've been in the same room with them and you can notice how they interact with other people. But it's just like, I think that it's all of that boldness. I think people forget that it's, it's hiding under insecurity. Narcissists mm-hmm. are not confident people. They're, they believe their own lies. They're pathological liars. You know, mm-hmm. they just kind of build off of other people. They need, they pull energy from others. They can't create their own, you know? So when you're not looking at that, people are going to be attracted to that big personality. The fact that you started your own business, but who did you step on to get there? Mm-hmm. How many people did you screw over? You know? Right. And looking at the inner circle of a narcissist, I think this is a big thing too. They do tend to have a a large circle of friends, but Mm -hmm. do you think that they keep them at arm's length maybe? And that the energy supply that they're really pulling from the romantic situations is seeing maybe under the hood, you're kind of getting the real, the real person behind the mask that most people do not see. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the person because I think some narcissists can really have everyone in these categories and they're like, oh, I can use this girl or this guy for, you know, if I'm lonely on a Friday night, I can just tell them, oh, you know, I've been thinking about you. Let's spend some time together when really the narcissist doesn't even like them. They just don't know how to be by themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they've got the work people over here that are just like, oh, I don't really like any of these people, but I know that they can help me get my promotion or create this Mm -hmm. thing that I want and I can take the credit for it later. You know, I think it really just depends on who they are. And then some narcissists can really put on a great show and keep everyone super close. And then when things go really well for them, it's very easy for them to just push them out. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's been horrible. Like my, my dating life has been like really miserable, actually, like just trying to constantly remind myself that it's not me, you know, like I said earlier, and, but sometimes I feel like it is. Cause I'm just like, you know, when you hear, if you keep seeing yourself in the same situation, it must be you. And I feel like, nope, in this situation, it's really not like, there's just a lot of guys that really struggle with being direct or expressing what they really need. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that is a huge takeaway. I think therapy in life is that so oftentimes people um, are projecting and it's their inner wounds so like you said earlier I believe as much as you can to take it less personally and just really focus on what am I putting out there you know to people how am I interacting with others because oftentimes when there's a clash it has nothing to do with me it's the own you know the other person's own inner stuff yeah and you got to think about how some people think mental health is a joke and if you try to tell them well have you ever thought that you are this way because of that? And they're just like, no, like it's, they're just not willing to meet you halfway or meet themselves halfway so that they can change. You know, you can't change anyone. And that is just so frustrating because sometimes you do have to walk away from people simply because of their lack of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to get into that. So, um, in all situations that aren't serving you, I think you should walk away. But particularly with a narcissist, I know how hard that can be to really separate yourself. Could you speak to that a little bit about what that looks like and how one could practice that? I would just say when you're dealing with a narcissist, I think that you have to also, I think this ties into the gray rock method is 
you, you really have to give yourself some grace because I think that it's really easy to beat yourself up about staying with the narcissist, but you have to recognize that you're still like learning about this person and their, their mask is fading and you're just like, oh, okay. So I'm not with this really nice guy, or this really nice girl. Like this is a completely different person. And I have to take some time to process that and also process like maybe some of the things I've done to betray myself. And then I can process through the rest of that of de- emotionally detaching myself from mm-hmm. the outcome of the situation. Because sometimes we hang on to people not because of them, but because we have, we get stuck in our wishful thinking mm-hmm. and we're already all the way down the street at the outcome when that's not ever going to happen because it's not real, you know? Absolutely. Well, and also I think it is an energy give and take, right? Like in any friendship, any relationship, you know, you're giving and they're giving or that's how a healthy relationship should be. And that's, you know, when you have to walk away is when you're giving, giving, giving until there's nothing left and they're taking, 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 but um, it can be hard if somebody is maybe giving you the words of affirmation that you want, or maybe even like physically being present, but the, the actions aren't matching the words or you leave feeling worse than, you know, coming into the night or coming into that encounter with them. Um, So one thing that I might suggest to people is as hard as it is, and I know, especially for people who have kids or families, that is a whole different situation. It's hard to go no contact, but I think no contact is really the only effective way to sever yourself from a narcissist Mm -hmm. in that situation, because otherwise you really, it just keeps going and the wound keeps opening again and again. Yeah. And think about how people, when you're dealing with a narcissist and one of the, one of their character traits is they believe that they're so honest, but what you can do as their partner, as that friend that's dealing with that narcissist is rethink how you look at the word honesty and what it really means. Cause I think naturally you think, oh, you're an honest person. If you can come to me to my face and tell me exactly what happened, no lies. But really, if you look at it, honesty is literally just saying that my actions match my words. So if you are constantly running into somebody where they're, they don't align those actions and those words, they're not an honest person. And why would you want to be with a, a dishonest person? You know, yeah. something to look at when you're, when you're in those dating situations where you're definitely dealing with a narcissist or just anyone in general. So I do want to go back to your, you know, your life after back on the apps, back on Tinder, and you mentioned seeing a lot of ghosting. So let's talk about that. What, what do you think is up with ghosting? Why is ghosting socially acceptable? Do people think we're just not going to run into each other or it's not Mm -hmm. that deep because we haven't met in person? Like what is the mentality there? I think it is so accepted by society because I think people think, have you heard all on Twitter or Instagram, like you don't owe anybody anything. I Mm. think that has become like such a trend and it's such a harmful trend because I feel like you're absolutely right. We don't necessarily owe people anything, but I feel like we can be decent human beings. We can, we can communicate. We can simply say, you know, Hey, I know that we went out on five dates, but I'm not really connecting with you on a romantic level. You know, I would like for us to be friends. I understand if you don't want that. Why is that so hard for people? Because I feel like it's harder for you to ghost someone and for them to constantly text you asking what happened. Or if you do run into them and they're just like, what happened? Like, wouldn't that drive you insane? Like, I'm one of those people where I'm just like, if I don't feel you, 
I want you to know so that you are no longer wasting your time. Yeah. Because I feel like I owe you that. You know yep. what I mean? Like you might've thought that these dates were amazing. And I was just trying to see, Oh, well, let, let's go on a third date. Let me, maybe I'm just being difficult or, you know, maybe I just have my walls up, you know, let me keep trying. But then when I realized that this person really isn't the one I've got to let them know, but I have found that some people think that ghosting is going to hurt less than communicating. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like mental illness because I feel like once again, ghosting is all about dishonesty and lack of communication where if you just tell that person you're not interested, at least you can walk away saying, well, I didn't lead them on. I was Mm -hmm. honest about how I felt. I, I really don't understand why people don't see it that way. You know, I, ghosting is weird to me. It's weird. Why would you want to leave a door open? I don't know. I could see it as people really not wanting to be confrontational, mm-hmm. um, to not want to have that conversation. I actually did not ghost them. I did the opposite. I told someone that after a couple of dates, I didn't see it going further um, a couple months back. And he did you know, keep saying, but why? Like, what's the real answer? Mm. Like, I can handle it. You can tell me. And I was like, the real answer is I just am not feeling a spark. And to be honest, you know, I'm probably not ready to be dating again. I'm healing from this very toxic relationship that I just got out of. And I'm just kind of getting back into dating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a guy that was like, oh, I want to, you know, like, let's, let's see how it goes. I want to get you a Christmas gift after like a couple of dates. Like it was just moving very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking back, you know, I still maintain I'm with you hundred percent. I think be honest with people, but I can see the reverse because people sometimes don't want honesty or maybe they don't want the answer that you're giving. (laughs) Like they want an Mm -hmm. alternative answer to what you're saying. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I would say to that is, is, you know, you can't worry about how people are going to respond to your honesty because it's not your responsibility, nor can you control that. Cause you can be the most honest person in the world, the most direct person in the world. And someone's still going to be like, well, you know, I still don't understand this, but it's like, it's not for you to understand. I just needed to put it on the table so you can see it. And I feel like people who are constantly still calling and texting you after you said, you know, Hey, I'm not interested for this reason. I feel like that's when you have to set a boundary and you might have Mm -hmm. to click that block button. You might have to remove Mm -hmm. them from social media because at this point it's a red flag that they're not respecting that you are not interested. I think that's a really great point, Megan. Um, And Savannah Mm -hmm. weigh in. I think we've talked about this before, but cancel culture. I have mixed thoughts on, you know, this whole idea of, oh, this person's canceled. We're done with them. But I think that's different from blocking someone or putting Mm -hmm. a boundary there, like you said, to protect mental health. So when is that necessary for someone to be like, you know, while I I don't want to cancel this person or, you know, even wish them anything but the best, I I need to physically put that block there. I need to protect my inner peace by putting Mm -hmm. up that boundary. I think the best time to do that is when you really have had that conversation, even if it's a five minute conversation about, Hey, like, I just noticed that every time we go on this date, you talk a lot about how your ex-girlfriend hurt you and you still seem very angry. And I feel like you need space to kind of deal with that. And I don't want to be in the middle of that. I think you're a great person, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if they're still trying to like reel you in and they're like, give me a chance, give me a chance, give me a chance. I'm like, you know what? 
I think I'm going to have to really remove myself, not cancel them, but just remove them. And maybe they can see by that removal, maybe that will help them self-reflect and be like, oh, maybe I really haven't healed from this relationship. Because you got to think there's people that enable people not to heal because they're just like, oh, I can save this person. They're going to be great with me. I'm a much better girlfriend. I'm an upgrade. You know, that whole, (laughs) that whole spiel. And really that's just, that's just an open door to keep enabling people. But I think when you cut those ties and you block those numbers, I think sometimes it can really force people to realize that they do need some time to themselves. Maybe they do need to be single for a little while longer and they can actually make some progress and have a healthy relationship, you know, down the line. Mm-hmm. So this is making you want to get back out. No, I'm, <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. I oh, am, no, no. <laughs> I am very happy in my uh, bubble of self-love. Um, no, I, I guess I, I was just trying to contemplate whether that's actually even related to cancel culture at all. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I, I would say removing people that don't bring you joy, removing them from your internet experience is something different and something that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, a cancel culture, man, we could go down a whole other rabbit hole of its, of its merit as well as its flaws, but I don't think you need to feel bad at all from, from removing a- anything mm-hmm. that doesn't bring you joy. From I, I feel like I'm quoting a interior design show that I don't know the name of. <laughs> oh, Marie Kondo. Yeah. That's, it doesn't, that's if it. it doesn't spark joy, you say thank yes. you. Thank yeah. you, next. Keep yeah. it moving. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anything shameful about that. So Megan, I'm curious as a therapist, it's almost like having a superpower, right? Like you can really see people or maybe just understand the patterns that you're seeing and speaking to them. So can you turn that off when you're dating or does it allow you to really see through people quicker, like x-ray vision? (laughs) You know, that is the first question every guy has asked me when they see on like my profile that I'm a therapist. They'll be like, are you psychoanalyzing me? And I'm like, no, I don't do that for free. Yes, you guys. <laughs> yes. Get on that sliding <laughs> scale, baby. Yeah, but um, it, I, it's actually very easy for me to not be Megan the therapist, like when I'm not at work, because I'm actually really good with my self care and my boundaries, and I don't want people to use me as like their personal therapist. Like I really don't like when people come up to me, like if I'm sitting at a bar, for example, and we're having small talk, I say I'm a therapist and they're just like, oh, me and my husband. And I'm like, nope, no, 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 nope. I'm not your therapist. Like I can help you find one, but I'm I'm not your therapist. I'm just Megan. You can tell me your situation as like Megan the stranger, you know, not Megan the therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Megan the stranger, I'm dead. That's actually- a quick side note. So I'm a, I'm assuming, well, I'm assuming, I know you can't work with your friends or family, but do you have friends or family that try to talk to you about issues and you have to say, no, yeah. I can't actually speak oh, with you all, all the time, like all the time, even the same people that I've told, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to make up the same Henry, you know, I told you two years ago that I can't be your therapist. And I gave you all of these resources, <laughs> but it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of the episode where people really see therapy as a venting session and not a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you get those misconstrued, you're always going to reach out to your therapist friend 
friends because you think it's just a venting session. It's like, no, it's actually not. That's what <laughs> like, friends are for. I, right. Yeah. I literally can't take you right now. Like I, whatever, I have to refer you elsewhere so that you can have someone that doesn't have a biased point of view. I know you personally, like I wouldn't yeah. be able to help you. Here's something I've always thought. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, I mean, you can't get to specifics, but has there ever been a, a client of yours that's connected the dots to another client? Like there's some link where maybe one person's talking about someone who you also are treating and you didn't know that there was a connection there. Um, that actually hasn't happened to me. Thank God. That's always been like my biggest fear because I feel like when patients, I mean, of course they're going to talk about their therapist, but you hope that they don't give out specific details. Cause then I feel like if you see that other client that they're connected to, all they're going to want to talk about is that other person and all of their business and with HIPAA mm-hmm. and everything, I right. can't, that turns into like a really slippery slope. So I'm like crossing my fingers yeah. that, that never happens to me because there's so many legal issues that can come out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, what if, you know, I'm talking about my friend, we'll say Sadie mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sadie also finds the same therapist. So we're oh both talking God. about each other. Yes. Like, wouldn't that be insane? That's like, a, there's a movie, I think with Meryl Streep called Prime where that her she's a therapist and her client accidentally starts dating her son oh. <laughs> I haven't seen that yeah no it's it's not a bad movie I probably I, I don't know how closely it follows the reality of therapy I, you could you could weigh in on that and see but it is it's a funny situation to ponder mm-hmm. that gives me anxiety <laughs> right because <laughs> they're using code names We do have a listener question here. So she says, any advice for avoiding self-sabotage? I feel like I always get in my own way when I try to get back on the apps to find someone who's serious about wanting a relationship help. Mm -hmm. Oh man, self-sabotage is a beast because I feel like it's so easy to self-sabotage. We only self-sabotage when we second guess ourselves or when we feel like we're not deserving of things, but I would encourage you to ask yourself, why do you feel like you don't deserve goodness? Why don't you deserve like you have, you you should be able to have a healthy relationship. Like why? And make a list of all the things, all the reasons why you feel that way. It starts, it literally starts there. We like to kind of close our episodes with swipe support, which is really, you know, any dating advice, life advice, self-care advice that you have for people especially during this crazy time with COVID. Sav and I have talked about this, but we're really seeing season two as a way to take a breath, everybody kind of collect mm-hmm. themselves, process mm-hmm. all of the trauma that we've all collectively experienced the past year. And um, for those who are actively dating to get back out there and to have a, as healthy as a mindset as possible of, you know, setting those boundaries, looking for love. I would say start with, if you are, logging on to a dating app because you want to be fulfilled. If you're looking for another half, you're already setting yourself up for self-sabotage because dating should be fun. It should be something that is an added bonus to the things you already have. And when I feel like when you do anything and you're looking for a piece of someone or something to fill in, fill up your cup, you're always going to end up feeling very empty 
if that person decides to walk away or if something happens to them, something dreadful happens to them. It's just good to start with, am I ready to put myself out here? And if I find myself wanting to be someone's other half, I've got some healing to do. I still have got some healing to do. So how can I do that? I've got to look at my healthy coping, coping skills. What are those? You know, do I need to hit up my therapist again? Do I need to try therapy for the first time? Um, do I need to reevaluate my inner circle? Do I have good friends? Like there's so many questions that I think is very healthy for everyone to ask themselves every once in a while. You know, just a quick refresher. Am I still on the right track? You know, do I need to make some changes? Self-awareness, the thing about it is it's a lifestyle change. So you're constantly going to have to look at yourself. It's never ending. You're never going to get to that place. And I don't want to say that to be discouraging. It's just that growth is never ending if you allow it to be. And I think just having that mindset is really going to help you in life across the board with dating, with friendships, with family members that are difficult to deal with, whatever, you know, it really just starts with you. You can't have a healthy relationship at all. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know what you need, if you're afraid of confrontation, confrontation is once again, just honesty. When you confront somebody, you're just telling them like, Hey, I don't like that. You said that to me. I don't like that. You did that to me. It's just honesty. So -hmm. if you're saying that you don't like confrontation, all you're saying is Mm -hmm. I don't like to be honest. I don't feel comfortable being honest about how I feel about this situation or this person. Mm -hmm. So I would say to sum that all up, the answer is self-awareness. It's always going to be self-awareness. Wow. Yes. Megan, mm-hmm. being therapist, you. dropping yes! some truth bombs. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> the joy is in the journey. <laughs> taught me. <laughs> Sab, what advice do you have for people this week? Well, okay. I I am wondering if as part of this wife support, since I'm I'm feeling in need of more support, mm, may I okay. may I ask for help? Yes. Great. So Megan, where can people go? to start to find a therapist, mm. especially if you are uninsured. Is there, is there a central resource mm-hmm. that where Great you can question. start? Like, honestly, it's just such, it's a bit of an overwhelming yeah. thing to take Absolutely. on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, curious uh, to know if you, if you have any tips for, for those who are looking to start on that therapy journey. Mm-hmm. The best place to go, in my opinion, is psychologytoday.com. And what that is, is it's a website and it will tell you which therapist takes your insurance, doesn't take insurance, um, does a sliding scale, the location, their specialty, how long they've been a therapist, their specific license, their picture, <laughs> you know, it, it gives you literally everything. It's the easiest place to start. And there's also an app called Talkspace that is really amazing. I was talking to my therapist through that app and I actually got all of my sessions for for free through my employer. So for people who don't have good insurance or no insurance at all because they're in contract jobs or whatever, you can also check out Talkspace and see what is available to you there. Those are the best places that I know. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Truly helpful. I just pulled up Talkspace on my phone as you were speaking. (laughs) Nice. I love Talkspace. It's so awesome. 
I think I want to close with today to really focus on along with that self-care journey, your, your own circle, your own support system, um, because you can be a strong person. You can be working on yourself. You can be going to therapy, but you still have moments of weakness or you just really need that extra support to say, uh, you're not crazy. Your feelings are valid. Uh, you know, we've got you. And I think we've covered kind of a heavy topic today. So if there's anybody listening who maybe relates to this and maybe you're in a situation that you need a little extra help to, to have the strength to get out of, not, you know, do not be afraid to, to reach out to your network or slide into our DMs. I am more than happy to, <laughs> to chat um, and, you know, support if we can. I know there's some other resources which we can link in the bio of this episode, but uh, crisistextline.org is a great um, support system for emotional abuse. Um, also, I think physical abuse, whatever the situation is, but don't be afraid to, uh, to get help from others. All right, you guys. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> Megan, where, where can our listeners find you? You guys can find me on Instagram at the counseling bar, LLC. Come sit at the table with us. Come sit at the bar with us. I have content literally every day. The topic changes every week. My DMs are also open. Um, I can definitely help link you to a therapist or anyone wherever you are in the United States. I am here to help you. Amazing. This is so great. Again, I wish you didn't live so far away. But I know. I know. <laughs> East Coast oh. girls. <laughs> Seriously. This is wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. Um, I believe you're dating too, right? So any guys listening, you could shoot your shots. Oh my goodness. Only with respectful boundaries though. Uh And come with confidence, not narcissistic confidence, confidence, but confidence. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Self-aware confidence. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, as always, you guys, you can find us at Swiped Out Pod on Insta, on Facebook. If you haven't left us a review, what are you doing? Uh, hit us up on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. And I don't know, Sav, until next yeah, time. I know. I'm feeling I'm feeling like my emotional cup has filled up, filled up a yes. notch in yes. a good way. In yes. a good way. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Megan. Of course. Thank you, guys. Like we do it.